Everybody good? Everybody happy? Man, I got blasted. I'm still blasted. That's bad when I'm blasted. Huh? It's not on? It's on. It's not my fault. Yeah. So, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I, was, I told him, I'll tell you all this. I'll just tell you the quick version. i got to hurry. It's, this, this new couple came. This is the truth. This new couple came to our church, and we visited with them the other night. And they were talking to us about them, you know, just getting to know them. And they said, well, one thing we like about the church, Byron, is you don't yell when you preach. <laughs> I said, I, yeah, absolutely. And Becky said, yes, he does yell, too. You just hadn't heard him yet. She said, another thing we like about this church, y'all are not going to be building any, you're not building any buildings or anything. I thought, they're going to leave. <laughs> I said, we're going to build some buildings. And they said, well, y'all will probably do it better than the church they were in. She said, the preacher yelled his old message. That would be kind of rough. And they did fundraising all the time. Like they just beat people into the ground, getting money out of them. We don't want to do that. We would rather God just drop it out of heaven. Right. I think, come on, Lord, do that. Please don't make me do that other stuff. <laughs> Maybe you will. You know. All right, I'm going to do this, okay? I'm going to really be disciplined here. But you know the song we sang, You Won't Relent Until You Have It All. That was good, wasn't it? Well, all of it was good, but I wanted to mention that song, uh, My Heart Is Yours. That's a dangerous statement. And Sarah Ruth tricked y'all. Y'all shouldn't have done that if you weren't really serious about it. When you, she had you stand up and raise your hands and my heart is yours, Lord. He took it serious. Which means this, God is going to mess with your heart. He's going to mess with your heart. And that's a good thing. So I, Yeah. And the devil. That's right. He'd rather God do than the devil. And the devil does mess with our heart, by the way, too. So I'm going to help God mess with your heart for a few minutes, just a little bit. I'm not going to get down there too deep. That's, I don't want to go there. But let me read Matthew 13, 52. And it does, I love that. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. That's actually, song, I think, Song of Solomon 8 or something like that. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do stuff in our heart and seal us. You know, and it's a seal of love is what it is. It really is the love, man, I'm telling you. Jesus said to them, this is the this is a spiritual principle. This is how the spiritual realm works. Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Out of his treasure, your treasure is your wealth that you have. Your treasure is, is located actually in your heart. That's where your treasure is. And you bring out of that things new and old, meaning when you were born, God created you a specific way. And he's given you specific talents and specific gifts. And, and when you got saved, he didn't want to do away with those things. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't erase our soul. He didn't erase who we are. He created you uniquely and, 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 and purposely and individually. But the thing is, is he wants control of that. He wants complete control. God wants to control your life. Let's just face it. People say God don't want us to be robots. That's true, but he does want to control us. He wants to express Himself through us. And so God really wants to do that. So we, He has put things in you that were, you were born with that God wants to access. He wants to renew. He wants to heal. He wants to fix and then draw those things out of you. Y'all believe that? 
So God, that's, that's a spiritual principle. Okay, now let me read Acts 8. I'm going to give you a couple examples in the Bible of God going after something in people's hearts. Okay, I'm going to just give you two good examples of God going after something, after something in people's heart that, that was keeping them messed up. And so we're trying to go somewhere, asking God to heal our hearts, make our hearts whole, okay, so God can do the things with us that he wants. Because when we have this, this wound and this hurt, it, it does limit us, but it doesn't stop us. Uh, and, hey, I'm a great example of somebody doing, God using, but having issues in my heart still. So I'll show you that in a minute. But, uh, this is act. Remember uh, Simon the Saucer in the Bible. Simon the Saucer was a guy who was in Samaria, and Philip went to Samaria in Acts 8 and began to preach the gospel. And this guy was this magician uh, and who had amazed the people, it says. Did all these wonderful, you know, what they thought was wonderful tricks and stuff. And he heard the preaching of the gospel, and it says, and I think in verse 14, Acts, that he believed. He believed the gospel and he was baptized. So this man was actually a born-again person. Simon the Saucer, he got born again. Then when uh, the, the apostles heard about, you know, the move of God in Samaria, they came down and began to minister uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and be, began to minister for people to receive the Holy Spirit, to get filled with the Spirit. And the people began to get filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Everybody loves speaking in tongues, right? I hope y'all should be tongue-lugging. I'm a tongue-talking Christian. Well, I am. I do love speaking in tongues. If you don't, you can. That's another subject, though. But Simon saw this, saw them doing this. And, and now, I remember, Simon's born again. He's saved. He said he wanted to, to uh, he went to Peter, messed with the wrong dude, and said, let me, how much money can I give you so I can get this gift? And I can pray for people, and they will speak in tongues. Okay, so that's where we're picking up. And, but Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you. That's pretty, pretty stern. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. That's a pretty strong statement in the Bible for everybody. You have no part or portion in this manner for your, everybody say, heart. Your heart is not right before God. Born again saved, but heart not being right. Okay, now we automatically think that is just some old sinful guy, and he did have some bad stuff, but your heart cannot be right. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, okay, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Now, the thing is, the word intention right there, in the... Now, I'm no person who knows anything, okay, but I do know, I do have tools, a computer that has great Greek and Hebrew tools in it. The only place in the New Testament where this word that, Philip, that uh, Luke used here for intention, it shows up this one place. Okay, so this is a very unique word. It's a really important word, uh, in the, especially if you start understanding a lot of these words about thoughts and stuff. I want to remind you of this fact. I know I've said this to you a hundred times, okay, but I'm going for 50 more times. When we think, when the Bible talks about your mind, it is not talking about your brain up here that's sitting on top of your head. That is just an organ that God has given us to be able to function with. Your mind, biblically, is really is located in your heart. And scientists have begun to prove that now when people who've died and been clinically brain dead, no brain activity whatsoever, and 
the doctors were able to bring them back, resuscitation, get their brains working, get their hearts beating again. These people had memories of what went on, okay, even though their brain wasn't functional. So you'll see, because when, when you die, you ain't taking your brain to heaven. You know, you're taking your soul. So that's where your memories are located. That's where your subconscious is. I mean, it releases it up into your brain. But it's, so it's all stored down there. Y'all got that. That's sort of fascinating to me. I love that for some reason. So this thought or this intention is the word epinoia. I'm, I'm cool, ain't I? That's the Romanized version of the Greek word, by the way. And um, it means, it literally means to see upon. To see upon. It's the attention of the mind. It's what your heart looks at. It's what your heart thinks about. You know the word reflection? How you reflect on something? Y'all know that. You, you know, some things you'll just reflect on. That's really what was happening with this man. Peter said, there's this intention. There's this thought in your heart that you keep seeing. There's something you see with the eyes of your heart. There's something you're seeing that's affecting your life. And what he was saying, that thing you see is messing your life up. There's something in you that keeps coming to you. And every time it comes to you, it, it causes you to do wrong. Like in this case, what you did was you saw this anointing on these guys and you wanted it. And you, because of what had happened to you in your life somewhere, they didn't tell us what it was, it made you to do the wrong thing. Okay, you did the wrong thing because of something that happened. You saw something that was affecting your life. Because out of the abundance of the heart, I shared with you last week, thoughts and actions come out of the heart. So this man's action was come out of something that happened to him. We don't know what it is. I will tell you this about Simon the Saucer, and this is not the Bible, but it is uh, what people who written church history books, is he didn't repent that day. He had an opportunity and sooner or later, that thing, that foothold that Satan had in his life led him away from the Lord. And he wound up in Rome and doing all his, went back to his sorcery. And one day he decided to show everybody how great he was. He got so deluded in his mind and he was going to show them how he could fly. Of course, he jumped off the building as the Roman road under him was speeding towards him. He probably was thinking about what Peter said to him. He died, you know, he died, of course. Of course he did. He couldn't fly, you know, but... See, what happens in our lives is, and this happens to everybody, everybody in this room, things happen to us that affect us. And the enemy gains this ground in our heart, and he, he uses that ground to his advantage. There will come a day when, when, at a strategic moment in your life, he'll push the button, and you will react in a way you shouldn't act. Uh, you know, I was thinking, I was writing down this morning things that I know, these are, heck, I'm telling you this from a personal standpoint, things in my life, anger, withdrawal, uh, accusation, judgment, criticism, separation, depression, disappointment, justification of my actions, loss of joy, loss of peace. All these things, I have, you know, in my life, in my life experience as a believer, would there would be times when those things would just happen out of, for no reason. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was mad. I didn't know any of this. And it wasn't the circumstances, it was something happening to me that was the enemy was saying, yeah, now's a good time to push that button in him. Get him depressed. Yeah, now's the time to get him angry. I, I'll share this. I had a dream recently. This is real recently. I had this dream. And in the dream, there was a friend of mine. And my friend had dropped out of sight. And, had, uh, and so there was, a, there was three of us. Uh, 
my friend and another friend. And my other friend was talking to my friend who had dropped outside and was really working him over about the importance of church. And I was sitting, I was sort of pacing back and forth and dreaming. I was saying, that ain't, that ain't what I feel, though. I don't want to talk to him about church. And so I just said, would you come here and talk to me, just me and you? And I came in and I jumped that guy. I nailed him to the wall. I didn't know. I was in the dream. I just went off on him. And I was saying, you've deserted me when I needed you the most. You walked away from me, and you've done it all my... Ever since I've known you, over and over you did that. And, and then all of a sudden I woke up. And it was time to get up, which was unusual for me because I never have those kind of dreams, you know, right before I wake up. I knew God was saying, you, this dream you better listen to. Okay, this is a real thing. I mean, this person's a real person. You better listen to it. So I said, Lord, I didn't, I didn't... In my mind, I was not conscious that I was angry with this person. I didn't think I was... I was aggravated with him. But I didn't think I was angry with him. But the Lord was showing me, no, Byron, you're angry with that person. And really, Byron, this is the truth. It's all about you. It's all about the way he makes you feel and what he's done to you. And as the Lord was saying this, this smell came. Okay? This smell came into the room. And the smell brought me back to something that happened to me in my very early teens. A family member who basically really hung me out to dry real bad. I mean, I don't even want to go into it. But I realized right then, at that point in my life, something happened to me that marred me on the inside, marred my heart, touched my heart, and I still was carrying around the pain of that, the difficulties. And in certain times, because see, here's what the enemy wanted me to do. The enemy wanted me to hate this guy. And the enemy wanted me to say, well, he cut himself off of me. I'll cut myself off of him, the jerk, and create division. That's what the enemy was really going after in my heart. But once the Lord showed me that, I was like, oh, Lord. It, it, but suddenly I realized it wasn't about my friend. It was about my heart. Are you following what I'm saying to you? All right, now let me just take this uh, one more step further, okay? Let me just now I'm going to give you another better example because uh, this was a great example. But unfortunately, we didn't really see the Simon get things right. I don't think he did. He had an opportunity to repent. He had an opportunity to confess. Oh, well, just pray for me that this might not happen. Like, come on. You know? All right, so I'm going to shift you over to Peter now. Are you following me? Are y'all with me on this? I want you to be because I want you to get healed. And I want me to be more healed. Now, this is the story in John 18, verse 18. Here's the story. Let me give you the setting. This is the time that Jesus was arrested. And he was up there at the high priest's house. You know, and they were doing all that stuff to Jesus at the high priest, you know, accusing him, blah, blah. And John, the apostle, sort of has some inside track with the high priest. So he got in, you know, got inside the gate, out in, out in the uh, area out, outside the house, however that worked. But, and they had a fence up to keep people out, you know, so you had to know how to get in. So he got him in, so, and he got Peter in. And it says here that they were out there standing around. And this is the place where Jesus denied the Lord. Remember, G Peter denied, not Jesus, Jesus. How could Jesus deny himself? <laughs> Jesus didn't deny himself. Peter denied the Lord three times. Remember that? He, he said, I don't know him. You know, they, a girl came out and said, yeah, no, I don't know him. Heck, with, I know, who knows this son of a gun? You know, and finally he started cussing carrying on at people and, you know, saying terrible stuff. And, and the Lord had told him, you're going to... Because he had told the Lord, Lord, I will never, I will never, I will never forsake you. I will never. I'll die for you. I'll do it all for you, Lord. And the Lord told him, you're going to, before the rooster crows, you're going to de deny me three times. And this is what happened. 
He did it. Now, this is the point. Let me read this to you. It says, The slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire. Everybody say charcoal fire. And in the other Gospels, they don't point out, they point out that there was a fire made, but they don't point out that there was a charcoal fire. They just said it was out there warming themselves. Who cares what kind of fire it was? John the Apostle wanted us to know this. That's why he put it in there. He, he was trying to tell us something. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you this is how God, God's going to do something in Peter's life, and I want you to see how he did it. That's what he was trying to tell us. There. That's how you read the Bible. There's things in there that are hints. And so the charcoal fire sticks out to you. For it was cold and they were warming themselves, and Peter was also with them standing warming himself, and then he did all that crazy stuff. And it says that Peter went out, Luke says he went out and wept bitterly. I mean, bitter tears. It wasn't just he was disappointed. He was bitter. His heart was embittered. He was in much pain over what happened. We read it and think, oh, poor guy. No, oh, poor guy. No, this guy, this was a devastating blow to Peter. Devastating blow. So he's got all this bitterness in him. Then I'm going to jump you over to John 21. Now, I'm going to set the stage. I know I'm going fast and leaving a lot out. But in John 20, Jesus Christ in his resurrected form, it says the apostles were all held up in the house with the doors locked, scared to death. Somebody's going to get them. They figured they were next, and they were scared. Jesus comes walking through the wall and starts having a conversation with these dudes. Okay, that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, what would we do if Jesus walked through that wall right now? That's what I tell the person. If people who don't believe in getting slain in the Spirit, that doctrine would get flushed so far, you would, they wouldn't be a soul left sitting, standing, or doing anything. We would be digging through the carpet <laughs> because the Lord of glory walked in. And that's what happened. And he had this conversation with him. You know, you know, he had a conversation. And, but Thomas wasn't there. Remember old Thomas? Well, a few days later, Jesus shows up again the same way and, you know, has this great conversation. Thomas, touch me, feel me, do this, do that. So that happened before this situation happened in John 21. Now, this, because this used to blow my mind. Like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? Because here's what it says. Verse 3, I'm going to jump in there. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got in the boat that night, and they caught nothing. Now, I want to point out something to you. Not that I'm a Greek expert again, but that I'm going fishing does not really serve what, what he really said. What he really said, if you was a, a guy back then, this is what you'd have heard come out of Peter's mouth. I'm going back to fishing as a way of life. I'm done I'm done with this fishers of men stuff. I'm done with following this Jesus guy. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm through. Now think about it a minute. He saw this guy walk through a wall and he's through with him. I just yelled. <laughs> but they're not here. <laughs> they went to the race. <laughs> Chuck said it was last night. so <laughs> They may have quit when they heard I yelled. <laughs> Now listen to me. That, does that, like, what? If I saw a guy walk through the wall, I'd be thinking this guy's got something going that I don't. I think I'm going to hang with this dude for a while. I'd like to be walking through walls. You know, this guy was dead. He's got wounds on his body. He's got scars on him. I felt him. But he was, but here's what it is. You, you can, here it is. You can see, you can see 900 angels. You can have every spiritual experience there is. But if there's that thing down there in this heart 
your point is like, I can't keep doing this. You can be up on top of cloud nine on Sunday morning, and tomorrow by this afternoon, you can say, I don't, I don't even like Jesus. I don't even believe any of this stuff is real. Why? Because there's a pain in you, there's a hurt in you, there's a ground in you. And the devil is sitting back strategically waiting on that moment in your life when it counts the most. Well, he just saw Jesus. I've got to do something. I'm just going to remind him of how sorry a rascal he is, how much of a liar he is, how, much, how crummy he is. I'm going to remind him. I'm going to push that button in his heart. And I guess just like Simon, that's what he saw. You remember I told you that word, that cool Greek word? That you're looking at something. All Peter could see was himself cursing Jesus. All he could see was how he was acting like a bad person and denied Jesus in his most needed moment. And it just discouraged him. And all the wind, all the faith just leaked out in the ground. And that's what happens to us. And that's why we have outbursts of anger. That's why we get depressed. That's why we get, you know, jump on people. It's not because we are... Or crummy people. It, we are hurt people. We have this hurt in us. We have this difficulty in us. And the enemy's messing with us. Y'all got that? I mean, that's really what happened. Well, you know the rest of that little, little thing there. Here's Jesus. They're standing on the side. They're over there fishing all night. and hadn't caught nothing. They're wore out. They're tired. Hey, children! You know, I'm thinking, if I was a fisherman, some guy calling me a child, I'd be like, come on. You're going to call me a child. I'm out here fished all night and you calling me a child. We can, I'm going to show you what a child is. I would have gotten mad. I would have tell you that. I've been ready to fight that guy. Children. Who's this guy think he is calling me children? Have you called him fish? Like he's making fun of me. He's probably been sitting there on the beach all night, sleeping and waking up and watching us fish, thinking what a bunch of fools we are. I mean, I know that's not in the Bible. That's just the way I think. Like, come on, yeah, you're going to call me a child. I'll show you what. I'm going to take this oar and slap it upside your head. And we're going to see who's a child. And then he said, throw the thing. No, we ain't caught nothing. What's it to you? you know? Well, throw the net on the other side of the boat. So they threw the net on, and you know they got 153 fish. The net was breaking. And John said to Peter, it's the Lord. So Peter jumps in the water and swims up to the shore, comes up to the shore. Okay, now we got him on the shore. Okay, that's where I'm on. Uh, in verse 9, John 21, verse 9. So when they got out on the land, they saw what? What kind of fire they see? Charcoal fire. John the Apostle was trying to tell us something. Have you ever heard a song, like a song from your past, and the song came on and immediately you was back there at that place? Or smelt something, you was immediately, or take, like a, you know, well, one time I ate something. Okay? And I got sick. But I was already sick. I didn't know I was sick, but I ate it. I couldn't eat that food for years. Because the thought of it brought me back to that, you know, all that was going on. You know, the sliding glass door was covered with what was in my stomach. So every time I would think about that food, I'd think about that sliding glass door and how I was rushing to get out on the deck. Isn't that how we are? And Jesus knows that. He knows that we, when bad things happen, some of it may even happen when you were little and you don't even remember it. Maybe you just stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it down there, down, down there. And then one day you're in a, talking to somebody and they do something wrong and the devil says, how about that, pal? And, and it just something, you just go off on them. And they're sitting there like, huh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they don't know what happened to them. They don't understand. And then maybe they're like, Got their thing. And the devil says, yeah. And he pushes that button in you. And then you're, y'all are fighting. And it's like, all because 
something in you hurt. Something in you was, was, was messed up. And Jesus has not had the opportunity yet to get to that thing. Okay? But he wants to get to it. So that was his first thing. He, he does take us back to those moments. But here's the key. He doesn't take you back alone. Remember last week I said you can't go probing. You need to let the Holy Spirit. And this is the reason. Jesus wants to be there in your path. He wants to take you back there. Where the messed up was, whatever happened was, he wants to be there right there with you to help you through it. To help you get through it. Get through it. Because you know he's there. He's going to love you through it. He's going to take you through it. He's going to walk you through it. He's going to heal that place. And, and everything's going to be a lot better in your life. All right, so that was the beginning, okay? The, the, the smell, the, the music, whatever. Whatever God uses, he, everybody's different. Whatever it takes in your life, God will do that in your life if you allow him. Okay, like with me, that dream, you know, and then that smell and that person who smoked that specific kind of cigar that I smelled, that I realized there was something in me. And I'll be honest with you, I had this plan about this guy. I was going to get him. I was going to dress him down until that moment. Why was I going to go dress this guy? This guy's got his own stuff, okay? I need to go, go pray for him, love on him. All right, now let me take you through this. Are we okay? I'm going to go fast. It's called, it's in verse 15, called the love motive. That's what my Bible calls it, the love motivation. All right, and I'm going to read this to you like if you were there hearing it versus how the Bible, because it doesn't really, not that I know more than people who wrote the Bible, they use two different words for love here when they're having this conversation, because it's so, such a dumb conversation the way they wrote it. But I'm going to read it to you how it would, be, would sound if you were Peter and Jesus that day. So when they had finished breakfast, now everything's cool at this point. I can imagine Peter walking up that fire smelling that and like, ooh, you know, we're eating. Everything's good. He ain't fussing. You know, I'm going to slide through this one. You know, it was a good breakfast. Now let's move on. And then, but Jesus, it was more than, you know, uh, Jesus brings up the things. Uh, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you or are, are you more devoted to me and care more about me and love me more than you do fishing? That was his question. That's how it was read. Okay? And Peter said, uh, well, yes, Lord, you know that I'm really fond of you. You're a really friend. I really care about you. I love you as a friend. But I don't. I'm going to be honest with you, Lord. I'm not more devoted to you than I am to fishing. And that's really what he was saying. I'm not. Now remember, Peter denied the Lord three times. Are y'all with me? That's what he was saying to the Lord. I'm not. And, but you know, this is great about the Lord. Well, it's okay. Tend my lambs anyway. Now I'm going to tell you something. Just because you have issues in your life does not disqualify you. Okay? That's the truth. Now this all happened with Peter in a moment. In one conversation. For you and I, it may take a three-step process over a period of time. I don't know. But I'm just telling you this, just because you have hurt, just because you have pain, in Jesus' eyes, you are not just going to, in fact, he said, we're tending my lambs in. Now think about it. That's pretty big, because lambs are sort of important in God's eyes, you know, like the little ones. You mess with them, Jesus already said, you mess with them, there's angels that see the fathers that have come get you over this, kids, don't you mess with them. Would you think about one of those angels are sitting and seeing the father, and he's saying, you mess with those kids, and I'm sending one of them angels after you. 
That would be a bad day, right? Well, that's how much he would, that, that's significant, and, and we need to get this. Because what, has, what happens, I'm going to tell you what happens. We have this hurt in us, and it, we disqualify ourselves because I really messed up. I messed up real bad. I mean, really, really bad. I have messed up. I can't never, how could I ever serve God? God doesn't even like me anymore. But Jesus was saying, that's okay. Do it anyway. But he doesn't want to stop there with you. Because it's one, you don't need a bunch of messed up people always ministering to you. We need to get healthy so we can bring help. You know, we've had enough of mess. But that woman, obviously, I thought that pastor was going to be messed up. and yelling the whole message. You know, I mean, come on. Nobody wants to be yelled at the whole time. One woman came to this church one time and said, well, that was a great message. She said, I don't like being yelled at. That's what she told me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm, I said, ma'am, I am so sorry if I offended you. I really didn't. I'm just sort of ridiculous. <laughs> I need some grace from you. <laughs> so I've tried to be better on that. But I'm not going to quit doing it. You know, I'm a believer and you say it like you feel it. You know, but I don't want to be some idiot and just run all over the top of people either at the same time. But, so I'm working on that. All right, but then the Lord said, this, said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, son of John are, you, are you devoted to me? Are you, do you really care about me more than anything else? Do you really do that? And he didn't say anything about fishing. He just said just that. Are you devoted to me? Uh, well, yes, Lord. You know, I'm really fond of you. I really care about you. But I'll tell you, Lord, I'm not, I don't feel that way about you. I really don't. I, I uh, was watching. My cousin sent me this video of this guy. This was from the 80s because of the hairstyle and the clothing. You know, you can sort of date things by the hand. This guy, and I never heard of this guy. He was a gospel singer. Got, you know, it was like a family thing. This guy had been to heaven. He said, I come to the 80th time. Yeah, I mean, it was remarkable. He was talking about every time he would go, the Lord would do something a little different, a little different. Finally, he got to the throne room, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to weep, weep, but he only noticed there was one tear fell out of his eye. And the Lord said, that's how much you love me. He said, what do you mean that one? He said, well, you shed one tear for me. That's, That's how little you love me. And the guy said, no way. And he knew at that moment that he really didn't love the Lord like he thought he did. Okay, and I think... The truth is, none of us love the Lord like we think we do. We think we love God. We think we're devoted to God. Peter was having the truth. No, Lord, I really don't feel that way about you. I don't feel that way. I'm just getting truthful with you, Lord. So you've got to get truth. You've got to make a confession to the Lord to get free. You've got to say it. I don't feel that way. I mean, I love you at a level. But I'll be doggone if I'm going to die for you. And I'll be doggone if I'm going to put my life down for you. I'm just not going to do it, Lord. That's really the truth. That was where he was at. Okay? Then the Lord, number three, so, you know, we got, I'm going to say, this could be a process in our life. For me, it's been a process. I'm not sure where I'm at in this, but I'm somewhere in the middle of this. Okay? Third time. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, are you fond of me? Are you fond of me? I just want to know, are you fond of me? And it says, Peter was grieved. In other words, it hurt him for the Lord to say that to him because he realized at that moment 
what was going on. And, he, and that was really the moment of truth because the Lord was reaching down in his heart and drawing all that hurt out, drawing all that pain out, drawing all that disappointment out. Whatever, you know, whatever the feelings were that he felt, the thing that, that kept him messed up at that moment, that was what was going on. It wasn't like, well, I'm mad because you're asking me. Why don't you shut up asking me? No, it wasn't that. He was upset because of the pain of that moment of God reaching into that tender heart and pulling that poison out of that heart and getting that stuff out of his heart and getting that picture out of his mind that Satan could just, you know, just needle him with and just control his life with and beat him down with. Can you imagine if Peter wouldn't have did that on the day of Pentecost and then people said, these people are drunk, I'll kill you if you say that. <laughs> he didn't say that. No, these people ain't drunk. This is what the Bible says. He wasn't wanting to kill nobody. You know, but can you imagine if he was, would have carried those wounds lashing out, lashing out, lashing out? That's what we do. And that's why the Lord really wanted to get this boy done in the three-step quickie process. Let's get him done. Let's get him fixed. So, because when the day of Pentecost comes, I don't know him cutting everybody's head off when they complain about the people acting drunk. Peter was grieved because he said, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. Lord, you just know I'm fond of you. You just know it's the truth about me. It's the truth. I thought the truth about myself. And the Lord tend my sheep. And so, see, what happened was the Lord, where that hurt and that pain, that all that, the Lord was just pouring his love into him. Just pouring love in there. And just pouring his love because that's what heals people. And then you realize the Lord's not mad at me for denying him. The Lord doesn't hate me. The Lord was there. He went back and took me through that and kept me through that and fixed what was broken inside of me. Isn't that wonderful? That's what God wants to do for everybody in this room. Everybody in this room. That's what God wants to do for this church. This church needs that. This church got some pain in it. He wants to do that for everybody. There's not a soul here that he doesn't want to come visit you like that. All right, I want to tell you this. Okay, are you all right? You're seven minutes over. You got a couple more minutes? All right, I want to read this because I love this, man. It says, I can't quit preaching so long. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is verse 18. See, here's the thing. That word, I, that word of looking at your heart, there's another word called dianoia where you look through something. That word, you only look at it. You don't be able to see through it. Your heart can't see because of the pain, the sorrow, the thing, the hurt that's in you. But there's another thing. Once that's cleared, then you can get into the other realm, which is seeing through it. Okay? And you see, Jesus wants us to be able to see through things. He wants us to be able to see through life. He wants us to see through people. He wants us to see through circumstances and world events. He wants us to do that. And God wants you and I to know about our future. Now, I know we have this thing in us. You know, like at 2028, 20, Byron, you're going to die at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I would not want to know that. I don't know about you, but like I'm not going to order no gravesite for 2028. 20, you know, you kind of would like to know a little, a little bit, but then, no, I don't want to know. Just, you know, tell me a couple of days ahead so I can tell Becky and everybody goodbye. And I'll be good. So we have this love-hate relationship with the future, I think. I do. I want to know the future, but then I'm like, well, I don't know how much I do want to really know. But the Lord told Peter necessary information for him to be able to get through life. And listen to what he said. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. 
But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Jesus was telling Peter, this is what your future is. And this is how, you, how it's going to end for you. Now, this he said, signifying about what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Remember, I think it's Acts 4, Peter gets thrown in jail and he's slammed in the worst jail there is. He's got guards on one side, guards on the left side. He's got them on the door. He's got them, they're everywhere. They had him in the innermost prison, the Bible said. And what is he doing? I mean, most people, if they're in the innermost prison, they're going to be worried. They, you know, I mean, I, I'd be scared down there. But he's sitting there snoring away. Just as happy like he was at home on his feather bed. Why was he happy? Why could he sleep through a hellish situation? Because of what Jesus told him. Jesus said, when you're old, I'm not old yet. It's not time. This is, I don't know how this is in, but I'm not, these, these guys are not going to get me. Because Jesus told me about my future. He told me how it was going to come to end. And so when the angel comes, get up, Peter. He just jumps up, puts his pants on. He didn't know if he was dreaming or he was... In this world, that's the way it's something. And walks out the door and was freed. But there came a day in Peter's life when he knew this word. And I want to read that. This is, this is not from the Bible. You ever heard of Fox's Books of Martyrs? And those are great books. It makes you feel like a giant Christian when you read it. Like, am I a Christian? These guys were Christian. I'm wondering about me. Anyway, this was the end. I'm going to read this little excerpt about Peter's death. This is powerful. Now, this, again, this is not biblical, but this is powerful. Peter was preaching in Rome when he was entreated to flee the city because Nero, the, you know, the man in charge, sought to kill him, sought to put him to death. So as he was leaving through the gate, he saw a vision of the Lord coming to meet him. He saw Christ come to him in a vision. And he failed to worship the Lord. Fell down, I'm going to worship the Lord. Of course you would. Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And the Lord responded to him. He said, I've come to Rome to be crucified again. And Peter knew, I guarantee you, when the Lord said that to him, it's like that day on the beach, he said, this is going to happen. It's time. It's time. Peter understood that this meant it was his time to follow his Lord into death. And he returned to the city. Because he knew. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That takes something. A person with a wounded heart is going to bicycle out of that city as fast as they can go. Scared to death. But the man who God's dealt with, when the time came, when he said, it's time to go, buddy. Come on. I'm going to be. Oh, I'm going too. If you're being crucified, I'm being crucified. Instead of... Are y'all following that? That's powerful. So Peter was asked to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord. And his request was granted. He was crucified upside down. Why? Could a, how could a person do that? A man or a woman could only do something like that because they had allowed God access to their life. They had allowed him access to their heart. He had allowed him to do what he needed in their heart to get rid of the things in their heart, the bitterness, the sourness, the hurt, the pain, whatever it is. I mean, for everybody it's different. And the Lord wants to do that for you. I want to say, I can't emphasize this enough. This is what God wants to do right now. He wants to heal hearts. I think where it says he heals a broken heart, we think, oh, I'm, this man's broken heart because his girlfriend left him. Well, that's a broken heart, but there's a lot of other kind of broken hearts. There's a lot of hearts that are not functional. They're dysfunctional hearts. 
And, they, and because you have a dysfunctional heart, you have a dysfunctional life. Because the enemy will get you every time over and over and over. At that strategic moment, he'll push that old button, and you'll start doing things that just make no sense. You'll say things that make no sense. You'll act like a 15, a 10-year-old, whatever, you know, because it happened to you at 10. I don't go and all that. But. So, and I'll tell you this. Peter did this. Peter not only got healed himself, but John Mark, y'all know the story of John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, okay? This man made a big mistake himself. He got, got Paul the Apostle mad at him. I mean, can you imagine getting Paul mad at you? I mean, that's the last person on the list you want mad I mean, he could raise the dead. It means he could take you out. You know, your mama brought you in, but I'm taking you out, son. Paul was mad at him. Wouldn't have anything to do with him. Just out. I don't want anything to do with you. Guess who showed up at John Mark's doorstep one day? Peter. Peter showed up. You, I can take you right through the Bible. I don't have time, but he took him and he discipled him. He loved him. He healed him. He brought him up. And guess what? When Paul, at the end of his life, when he knew he was dying. Send John Mark. I need John Mark. Please send John Mark. Everything had changed because John Mark became a different person himself because he allowed it. He allowed, he allowed God access to his heart. He allowed God to touch those hurting, place, hurting places in his, in his heart. And that's what God wants to do for us. God wants to do it for our corporate self. We need healing. He wants to do that for you individually. You can ask the Lord to come and do that. I think He'll do it for you. Uh, I've told I, got, I think I might be in trouble because I told the first service I've never gone to a counselor, and I believe in counseling. We have a ministry here for helping people with this stuff. I've never done that personally. The Lord's already done. It. And then I heard the Lord ask me, "Well, maybe I want you to. You know, maybe I want you. It's, okay, well, I really, you know, I'm, I'm gonna humble myself. I can humble myself and go and get help. But if God if you would ask God, Lord, I, I invite you to do that, and I'm going to pay attention. If you bring things up in my life, I will listen to you, and I will allow you to touch me. Now, I'm going to end, but I do want to say something the Lord showed me this morning. There's somebody or some bodies in this room that have a dark secret, okay, in your life. You've got a dark secret. And the Lord's telling you this. This is the word of the Lord for you. You need to find somebody and talk, tell them that dark secret. Okay, because that dark secret is going to get you physically eventually. Now, doctors have proven this. There's something you're hiding that you that's dark, and it's probably pretty bad. In fact, it's probably real bad. But if you don't get that thing and get it out in the open, it, it could literally cause some kind of dreadful... And I'm not saying the Lord's going to do that. I don't believe God would ever cause a dreadful sickness. It just has been medically proven that those things cause... Terrible things, besides just the, the dark thing. So I want to encourage you, go to someone that you can trust, that you, can, that you know they'll love you and they will cover you with love and tell them that dark secret. And let them help you or let them help you give counsel where you can go get help. But please do that, whoever you are. I know the Lord showed me that. He wouldn't, because I'll say, no, nah, I'm not saying that. I ain't doing that. But somebody's got a dark secret. Or somebody's, and I really encourage you to do that. And if you have issues in your life, and you know you do, and you haven't been able to work through them yourself, the Lord's just saying, humble yourself, get somebody who knows how to do this stuff, get an appointment with them, and go deal with it. Amen. Are y'all good? Yeah. I overdid you. Stand up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. The Lord wants to set the captives free this morning. All right, this morning I want you to. Let's, we're going to end. I'm going to pray for you. 
just, you know. Uh, thank you, Father, for heart healing, healing our lives, Lord. And I pray for every person. I pray for that person or persons in this room that's got that dark secret that they need to, they need to deal with. Mm. You know, if you've fallen out of love with your spouse, because I've had people tell me that, and I thought, that's bull, man. That's just bull. God wants to help you with that. Jesus, this is what Jesus said about divorce. They said, why, why didn't Moses let, you, let us divorce if God, if, if it was okay? Jesus said, because of hard hearts, the hardness of your heart. It's a heart thing. And I think, you know, God wants to soften hearts in relationships, both marriage relationships and friendships. <coughs> Let the Lord do that. If, you, if that really fits you, I'm not going to ask you to come up here for that. I, that's too personal. But I know the Lord wants to help us in that area of our lives. Heal our hearts and remove the hardness towards each other. That, Father, I just pray you do that. I pray for marriages. People who feel like they've fallen out of love, maybe for good reason, but I pray for healing in the marriage and healing of the hearts. Hard hearts. God, heal us, Lord. We don't want to see divorce in the land. We don't want to have emotional divorce, Lord, uh, with each other. Lord, even in the body of Christ, we don't want to have separation and hurt with each other. I just pray, God, that thing of grace and forgiveness and grace of love covers a multitude of sins. I pray you just release that, Father. I pray for those in this room who really have struggled. I pray you you, uh, lead them into victory. I pray that they would come into freedom. I pray they would get free. I pray they would do what was necessary. To get free, they would go and find help if, if they can't seem to find it just with you, Lord. Uh, if others need to help them with you, Lord Jesus. But Lord, we know you're the key. Jesus, you're the key. You're the healer. You are healing. And Lord, I want to remind you that you made a, a, a covenant of healing with Israel. When, you, when they came out, this is powerful. When they came out of, of, of uh, Egypt, or when, they, when they crossed over the Red Sea, the first thing the Lord said, I am your healer. That was his first revelation. That's why healing is powerful. It's the healing of the whole man. I am your healer. Lord, I pray you'd make that real to every person in this room. I pray for the healing of bodies, the healing of hearts, the healing of souls, and the healing of relationships. That you would bring that great healing down from heaven. Because, Lord, we are declaring today, you are our healer. You're my healer. You're the healer of my family. You're the healer of my children, my grandchildren. You're the healer of these people in this church, my friends, Lord. And I call it forth today, your covenant promise to Israel first and then to us. We call it forth today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you would like to get special prayer this morning, you know, I know this is sort of a kind of a touchy subject, but y'all did good. I didn't feel too many walls jump out at me. <laughs> but if you want prayer, we'll be glad to pray for you and love on you for anything. It doesn't have to be about this. We just want to, you know, give give God a chance to touch you if, if you desire that. Otherwise, we just want to dismiss, dismiss you and tell you God bless you and God loves you. 
and, and let Jesus have his way in your heart. Amen.